I, another movie reviewer that I really love is Mr. Plinkett, but that's because, uh, you know, Mr. Plinkett is just a, a psychopath. <laughs> that's a you know, you know uh, my personal favorite movie reviewer is Mr. Pelopo. Oh, but Mr. he doesn't do movies anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't hear review movies anymore. We need to get him on the podcast again. I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. BlizzCon's coming up. If we do, if we want to cover stuff that happened at BlizzCon, I think he'd be the go-to guy to talk about hmm. it. Unfortunately, Diablo is his bread and butter, and Diablo's not having any announcements at BlizzCon this year. Right. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I th- we could get the show started anyway. Um, cool. Okay, uh, hello everybody, uh, welcome to the Turbo Podcast. Turbo Podcast? Whoa, I have a stroke. I haven't... <laughs> this is what happens when you don't do podcasting for a while. Uh, uh, we're gonna cut that out. Hello everybody, welcome to... <laughs> Actually, no, now we gotta leave it in. Oh god, okay. Welcome to the Turbo Button Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, uh, Zachary Hart. I am joined, uh, once again by the lovely Christopher DeLeon. Hello. And uh, boy, we got to slam an episode today. We got uh, lots of things. Uh, We're going to shake things up a bit. We usually start with what we've played this week. Um, But we had the stars kind of lined for us today because one game that we've been playing this week has been the same game for both of us. And uh, Cuphead has finally been unleashed onto the masses. And. uh, both Chris and I have been playing Cuphead, and uh, I guess why don't we start with uh, your thoughts, your general thoughts on Cuphead? Uh... Yeah, uh, generally, I I'm I'm really enjoying Cuphead. The, um, I am about halfway through the second world at the at the moment. I've just I've just been taking my time with it. Um, it's it's fun. It's it's I I, I like. When I first started the game, I I I knew that yeah I would be impressed with the visuals. But then when I actually played the game, I was even more so impressed with with all of the animations and it's it's a beautiful looking game. It's a beautiful sounding game, and I was also actually challenged. Uh, whenever I start that game, it's 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 difficult. Like it's one of those things where you hear about how difficult it is, and I was like, nah, it can't be that bad. And it's not that bad, um, but it is challenging. And I don't know, generally, it's I, I'm enjoying it a lot, basically. Um, it's one of the few games where when I die, like, because the boss has revealed some new move that I've not seen before, I'll like I'll laugh when I die and I'll smile when I die. Like it'll just be like, oh, that's something else to learn. Like I need to try that next time. Like try avoiding that next time. And it's it's just very fun and very charming. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think my I have two things that are my favorite things about Cuphead. I really enjoy it. The art style is probably the most unique thing that I've seen in a very long time. And uh, also the music. And I don't know if you've been watching the, uh, or if you've seen these behind the scenes snippets on YouTube that uh, the dev team for Cuphead has actually put up. But they like show you, like, I've seen like pictures and how they actually do like the drawing for the game. They actually do like how 1930s animation was done back in the day. Like, they, 
they're super true to it. The only thing they do digitally is the coloring of it, which probably has to do with the the fact that the game has an option inside of it where you can adjust how much film color bleed is inside of it, which is probably why it's done colored digitally. But um, the music also is, it's just, oh man, I love this. I love swing. You, you know, it's, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just something that you don't see in games that often, unless you get like a Bioshock or something like that. And the swing just really, I feel like also the animations of the bosses sometimes like kick in with the beat of the music too. So everything is just like really tight put together and it feels like when you're getting into the rhythm rhythm of like a boss fight you're literally like <laughs> in the rhythm of it because the music is in sync with it um the difficulty is also something that it's something that i'll admit i've gotten literal headaches from playing this game because of how hard it is but i don't find it i eventually want to come back to it because like um i don't know if I'm still in the first world because I've been trying to play some other things in the in the meantime too. But one thing that I really one boss that I really struggled with is the first airplane boss with the blimp. The I forget what the blimp's name is, but like the airplane controls are so different from the ground controls and I felt like it felt like learning an entirely new game. And so basically I remember, I think I spent maybe two hours trying to beat the blimp boss. Because, like you said, every time a new phase shows up or a new attack pattern shows up, it's like, oh, this is something I gotta learn and stuff. And, but when I finally got the knockout, when they're like, oh, it's a knockout, I was like, holy crap, that was amazing. <laughs> that was like one of the best feelings I've had in a very long time. I don't think I've felt it since maybe, like when I would beat a boss on the Game Boy Advance and one of those old uh, Game Boy Advance isn't really that old school, but you know what I mean? It's when you beat something and it's like, you get a sense of euphoria, you know, it feels like you actually, it, you actually earned it. It's like, it's like a macaroni and cheese dinner when you love macaroni and cheese. Or something <laughs> like that. It's I don't really know how to describe it, but I'm pretty sure that you you get exactly what I'm saying. I I really love this game, and I actually at work will just uh, listen to the the boss battles themes just as I sit down and do some work and type out code and stuff. And uh, yeah, love the game so far. Um, I, one thing I actually really like about this game too is, uh, it, it's bringing out a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation here. Um, court, just me looking around on the internet and stuff, it seems like some, a lot of people love the difficulty of Cuphead, love that it's challenging, but there's also like, Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it only, is it only like game journalists who have kind of had problems with the difficulty of Cuphead because I was seeing a few rumblings of a few rumblings on Reddit about the game is too hard or we need to have a skip boss button or something like that but um, I think I know for sure that the most notorious uh, thing that I've seen to come out of like the game's journalist sphere or something like that is um, this infamous now infamous clip of uh, 
who I don't I don't remember who it is, but it's someone that was at Gamescom and like in their twenty minutes of gameplay, they spent like five minutes trying to get over the first platform of the game. Um, but basically, just going off of that, it kind of brought up a discussion of what makes difficulty fun, and I guess we can start off the conversation uh, with the. Uh, with you Chris on asking you do you think that hard games are fun and if so why or if not also why (laughs) (laughs) sure um well okay so one of the things that I did not want to say one of the phrases I didn't want to say while discussing Cuphead is Dark Souls but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dark Souls probably a few times um I do like myself a challenging game but I more than a challenging game, I like myself a fair game. Um, and I don't know, with, with Cuphead, with Cuphead, it feels like everything is either, I, I, I die because there's something I legitimately haven't seen yet, or there was some fault on my part. So, and that's, that's, that's the, the fairness of the game, right? And, you know, I, I do I do enjoy myself a challenging game, and challenging games, ones that really test my limits, are the ones that I'll uh, come back to after a little bit of time, just because uh, there, there are things that I could, I could be playing that aren't as challenging that I can sort of bump through, that I equally, you know, enjoy just as much. But, uh... Well, what what was the question? What was the question? <laughs> well, it was it was. Do you like difficulty in games and why? Which I think sure. you kind of answered that question. But if you yeah. want, we can go into the. I I understand why people don't like difficulty in games, um, but like. It's it's weird because this conversation has like it seems like a personal taste at sometimes, but I've also seen like seen like this kind of branch out into other arguments like. In particular, the one I've seen most often is, like, do game journalists actually need to be good at video games? <laughs> or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but we're, let's bounce. I'll answer that question, too, for myself, and then we can go into that conversation also. Um, I personally do like difficult video games. I I do have Dark Souls. Um, and even though I haven't... Uh, Dark Souls 3, to be more specific. And even though I haven't touched that game in a while it's not because the difficulty that i got turned off uh by the game it was mainly just because there were so many other games at the time but i gotta say i get the same sort of feeling like when you learn the attack pattern of like the boss and stuff like that and then you finally overcome it it's like a test of wits and reflexes and there's something about just nailing it and getting it perfect that is that feels amazing, and there's something about watching people do, like, 100% zero damage runs of these bosses that's even more amazing. It's more mm-hmm. of, like, I'm like, oh my god, how is that even possible? Um, personally, though, I do not... I don't think, like, it's fair to do a comparison <laughs> of uh, Cuphead and Dark Souls, mainly because they're two different, like, gameplay styles, I guess. One is, like, a 3D action game, the other one's a platformer. And, uh... I feel like their difficulty comes from, even though they have boss fights and stuff, it's like different things at play here. I think Cuphead 
Cuphead, like, almost, you can see everything, like, telegraphed on the screen and stuff. And even if you die from a new attack pattern that you haven't seen before, it's clearly, eventually you'll learn it clear being clearly projected on the screen so that you'll learn the tells, you'll learn the timing of when they do things and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, overall, I really enjoy the, uh, the difficulty of Cuphead. And, um, I think that transitions nicely. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't know if this transitions nicely. It's more so that from the discussion of difficulty, uh, it seems like, you know, sometimes not everybody is good at, a hard video games. Uh, but if I've, people seem to have this idea right now, uh, especially due to that infamous video that has popped up on the internet of that guy taking like five minutes to get over the first platform of the uh-huh. uh, tutorial is that uh, do you think that games journalists need to be good at video games? Uh, I don't. No. What's funny is that uh, you you it's this is not a one to one comparison, but uh, a a a coach doesn't need to run with his team, you know. It's yeah. What's 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 interesting is that to be a journalist, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and that's not necessarily. That's not that's that's partly why they have people who review games, especially big. Uh, journalism outlets like IGN or whatnot have people who review games and people who do the news. Um, and it's usually completely separate people, not all of the time. But what's what's the thing? The thing? The thing with game difficulty is this: when you. And it starts even before the the consumer gets the product, even before a reviewer gets the product. Difficulty is something that is going to be relative, right? And when a developer has played a game literally hundreds of times, a part that's going to be difficult, they're, they're going to need, you know, testers to determine what's difficult and what's not and where they want X, Y, to Z and B and all that kind of stuff. So, it's when when a game gets to finally gets to a reviewer who will usually get a pre pre release copy to review the game usually a week in advance, and then they have and then whenever the embargo gets lifted usually a couple days to the day of release. And that's when they get the review out to the public, and ideally, it can inform, you know, the the public or the readers or the viewers or whatever it is. What's What's interesting to me is that it, not until Cuphead, not until this silly debacle with, uh, this guy who, at what was it Gamescom? I think it's PC Gamer. The- uh. Whatever, whatever. No, I mean, I meant the the games festival, but wherever that was, yeah, yeah, Germany, Gamescom, Germany. Wherever that was, was that Gamescom that that footage came from? I don't, I don't remember. (laughs) But um, 
it's not it's not until this silly footage got released that people were even worrying about this kind of thing and that people were it's it's such a double-edged sword because on the one hand you can you you it's been generally accepted that everyone like as as a whole a difficult game is a difficult game is a difficult game it's it's whether that's for the reviewer whether that's for the player uh, whether that's for you know anyone else it's it the the if and if none of you none of the listeners have seen the the footage of this journalist it's literally in the tutorial uh there's a raised platform that you need to jump on a slightly shorter platform and then do an air dash over and onto okay and this journalist can't can't make this stupid air dash for something like two and a half minutes of their 10 minute uh gameplay demonstration and the I don't know. The, the the thing here is that that in and of itself is such a such an exaggerated example of a journalist being bad at video games. And journalism be journalists being bad at games has been a trope for a while now, at least a few years. Um and there's there's a bunch of other stuff that's informing this not just in the game sphere but in other political spheres and and things like that as to whether or not you should be trusting journalists and whatnot but irrespective of that it's it's the point is for me anyway that a a journalist doesn't necessarily need to be good at video games because what what a reviewer is supposed to be doing is actually not judging a a game objectively it's it's object it's reviewing a game based on their experience but at the same time a reviewer is also expected to uh, to sort of Again, a double-edged sword kind of, kind of tightrope walk of, 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 man, what am I trying to say? It's, it's like, it's like a review cannot be inherently objective, right? Yeah. But at the same time, a reviewer is trying to give a fair shake to whatever it is that they're reviewing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to difficulty, in the case of something like Cuphead or in the case of something like Dark Souls or in the case of something like, you know, more, more akin to Cuphead, something like uh, if a new Mega Man came out or if Mighty Number no. 9, you know, came out. <laughs> Mighty Number no. 9. But, but uh, the point of the journalist is to get a review and to 
I just lost my train of thought again. Just to give it a fair shot, right? Yeah, just to treat it fairly. Like, I've, I've read reviews where the journalist said, I could not finish this game because XYZ, or I didn't want to finish this game because XYZ. And if it's... If it's difficulty that's the problem, I think that is fair. But mm-hmm. if 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 you as the audience go into it's 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 that handshake when you go and read a review or or watch a review or whatever it is, there's an understanding that when you are reading this person's opinion on this piece of media, whether it's a game or a movie or music or whatever, you are interested in their opinion for whatever reason. And that's why when you as a consumer are trying to go, are trying to find reviewers that you enjoy, you're enjoying them because, you know, they are saying things that you agree with about games that you, you know, like or dislike or etc so i don't think it's i don't i don't don't think it's a matter of trust necessarily i don't think it's a matter of of skill when it comes to things like this when it comes to reviewing a game it's 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 more than that it's 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 the handshake between the the reviewer and the game and by extension the game designer as well as the handshake between the reviewer and the person consuming the review it's mm-hmm. it's like it's like those people on youtube who are like who who purposefully go to videos or channels that they know they won't like to leave a comment saying that the video sucks why are you there watching the video if you don't think if that this is worth your time like it it it's kind of like that to me so yeah Long story short, uh, a reviewer needs to be able to play a game. A reviewer needs to be adequate enough to play through as much of the game as they think is necessary in order to give a fair review of it. But does a reviewer have to be necessarily good at games, quote-unquote? Do they need to be able to, you know... Do they need to be able to know death 100%, you know, cuphead? Yeah, I don't know. Not necessarily. So, uh, going back to that point specifically, um, so I don't, I don't expect journalism or video game reviewers to like 100% no death run of the game, but I think maybe the sort of contention amongst people is the fact that this person in particular just struggled so hard in the tutorial section of the game, but I agree with you. It's like, that was such an out, I, I, I firmly believe that maybe that was such a weird video because that was like maybe maybe less than I would assume less than 5% of players had an issue with understanding that and that was just a I I in my opinion it was just a really weird fluke that got caught on camera and stuff like that and if you it's the funny thing is if you read the um if you read the description of the video that on YouTube um they said that they uploaded that video as a joke and basically they they eventually changed the title of the video to like 
20 minutes of our lead editor's despicable gameplay of this thing. Uh-huh. And the reason why they did that is they uploaded it is because it was supposed to be like a joke of like, hey man, uh, our editor... <laughs> Our editor completely sucked at the tutorial, and we were rolling our eyes in there and stuff like that. But apparently, people on Twitter apparently got really upset about that. Um, it's weird. I, f- I find it weird that we're talking about this topic, not because it's not important, but it seems like having this transition from talking about Cuphead to talking about this, it was very unnatural because like it almost seems like they're two completely unrelated topics and stuff like that but it just so happened that difficulty brought out like this sort of uh this sort of outrage it kind of reignited the outrage amongst gamers with the game's journalism sphere or whatever and um even though i don't (laughs) person even though i don't personally agree with a lot of the stuff i see coming out of games journalism i don't think that it's fair to assume that every single person that does a review of a video game needs to 100 percent or do a zero death run of cuphead or something like that zero damage run um but i do agree that they do need to at least give it a fair shot um it's not i and looking at that video it's 20 minutes of gameplay so very obviously even though he eventually did get past the uh tutorial section that has been memed to death on the internet um basically i i um where was i going with this i i'm pretty sure that if he doesn't hate the game specifically because the tutorial was bad he hates the game because maybe he personally does not like a difficult games or something like that um but yeah i I pretty much agree with what you said there early on um but i also think that there might be a thing at play here too uh kind of just um going off of the reviewer uh people like consistency in the reviews but when you have like a review organization like say ign or something you really don't you have to pay attention to the individual who's writing the review because, like, each of them have different tastes and stuff like that, which is why I think maybe people enjoy, like, say, an Angry Joe review because they know what Angry Joe likes and they know what Angry Joe doesn't like in a video game. He's pretty consistent with uh, what he likes in video games and stuff. But when you go to, like, a faceless organization, you don't really see, like, the name of the person who, who uh, you know... The name of a person who reviewed the video game very clearly, even though it is there, people don't really look at it. Um, they just see it as like, oh, an IGN nameless organization <laughs> just reviewed this game and they're completely inconsistent with all the things that they review and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, abso- it, it does absolutely make sense. And that's, that's, the, that's the fault of both parties, I think. I th- for me personally, as someone who is very interested in in being part of the game's journalism sphere, it's 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 when you get to an IGN or when you get to a Game Informer or or something very large like that, when 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 you build your company to be that large, you are assuming some you you're assuming a level of of I don't know it's. At some point, I think you become so large that it becomes detrimental to your audience. Yeah. 
And I think that a, these these reviews are a very good example of that. But on the other hand, I also definitely think it's part of the consumer's fault for being, frankly, being stupid enough to not pay attention to who's writing the article. So, I, it, you know... Also feeding into the monetization of like these videos and stuff, it essentially furthered it <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. It's the same kind of thing. It's I think it also plays into the issue of like particularly with IGN, um, in which um it's pretty obvious that they favor or they go easy on certain franchises. <laughs> Call <of> Duty. <laughs> they mm-hmm. like give them praising reviews, even though people generally don't enjoy Call of Duty anymore. At least based on what I've seen on the internet, and also based on like PC gaming numbers, people like tend to go for more like I don't know how to describe the experiences, but like kind of like sleeper hits that come out of nowhere, like PUBG or something like that. Um, but, like, every time, like, Call of Duty comes out, people are like, oh, man, this is stale gameplay and stuff like that. But if you go to IGN because they got, like, all the Call of Duty ads on the website, they're like, oh, man, Call of Duty's refreshing experience never gets <laughs> old, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. Um, I think overall um, that's a good place to end that. There is another part about Cuphead um, that I found personally very interesting just because I've worked in, uh, well, it's kind of cl- close to home for me. And that uh, Cuphead, um, it something surprised everybody about Cuphead. Um, Cuphead is one of the few games that I think decided to show off that it was made with the Unity engine, and it surprised me, and it definitely surprised a lot of people. Um, I think we've talked about this before uh, on the podcast, but uh, usually when people think of the Unity engine, they think of like, you know, the Slenderman game that came out a few years ago, or they think of these uh, stupid meme games like the Donald Trump assassination (laughs) video game or something like that. And um, uh, I think seeing, seeing this company like, you know, show off that, hey, we made this in the Unity engine, I think is refreshing because honestly... There's a lot of games that are made in Unity, a lot of very good games that are made in Unity, but what Unity does is, like, if you buy an Enterprise version of their engine, you don't have to show that you made it in Unity. But the problem is, is that in the free version, they put their branding on it still, and so, like, that's why people think of, like, oh, the the Donald Trump game is what Unity is best known for, and this isn't the first game to actually kind of... uh, do this like saying we're we're being made in unity uh ukulele did that and also and a lot of people got extremely concerned about how ukulele was gonna run because um they announced that it was made in the unity engine and uh chris uh, did you did you have any thoughts about the unity thing uh, um we have talked about unity before and i don't recall if i went over this uh sort of sort of thing but um i since since getting a twitter account i've been fairly active on twitter um mostly just liking things but i follow a lot of um the personal twitter accounts of lots of different game developers um as well as uh games journalism uh large large journalism outlets and and Things like that. But uh, I remember 
a few months ago, there was a big thing going around amongst games games developers um, on Twitter that had something. It was it was I don't remember exactly what triggered it, but um, someone went on a tirade on Twitter about how uh, they felt uh, that that. Unity was an engine that got a really bad rep, and this was a very long thread of tweets. And then lots of lots of uh, developers sort of caught onto this, and one of the more articulate ones. It was funny because one of the more articulate ones actually ended up blaming uh, games journalists. We we're going back to that for being involved in for for being concerned rather with what engine. Uh, their games are running with for really no reason. Which was interesting to me. Uh, they gave a lot of examples of uh, the, of little, little articles and things like that where the journalist, and I do not believe these were reviews, they were, they were just um, articles about how this game was made in Unity, you know, XYZ game was made in Unity, probably could have been made better in X, you know XYZ something like that basically these journalists were talking about uh, what they had never worked with before had never uh, developed with and didn't understand and so this journalist in particular was very articulate about this being the cause for unity having a bad rep and then I ended up seeing um, a an interview with the at the time possibly still now CEO of unity um, who was like, this is part, you know, this, this bad rep that Unity has is partly our own fault because we are one of the first, uh, you know, uh, designers to release our engine for public use. Um, and because of that, kind of like RPG Maker, people have really glomped onto it and have made a lot of wonderful garbage. Um... And so this has caused a bad rep for Unity and things like that. Uh, it's it's possibly both. Um, I've not seen games journalists in recent days uh, lambast any particular engine, mm -hmm. but at this point, it's it's at this point the stigma is there, um, and it's more about. I don't know. It's it's more about not feeding into that, or or rather, cr like Cuphead, creating excellent games using Unity, and being very vocal about it. Unity is a wonderful engine. I've I've worked in it personally. I've uh, worked in it too. That's that's my primary engine that I've worked in throughout college. <laughs> um and and it's 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 really it like. It's very it, it's it is very friendly, for especially for someone like me who has never developed a game before and and, uh, I think I used Unity for like only one class that I was making a game for, um, but it was it was a lot of fun. I had no problems with it, and, again, that's, partly the problem. It's kind of, it's again it's like RPG Maker. Again, I've used RPG Maker. I think it was RPG Maker VX. 
and I made some, you know, dumb little game when I was 14 or something like that. And, you know, that was, I had a good time. Uh, I didn't think this was the be all and end all of, of games, but with, at the same time, there are wonderful games made in RPG Maker. Oh, excuse me. Um, and not all of them are RPGs, interestingly yeah. enough. But, but, uh, I don't know if I have much to add other than it's, it's something that people, I think, it's, it's harder to get rid of a stigma than it is to create one. And it's, I don't know, it's just going to take a lot of adjustment because, I don't know, Unity's, Unity is a, a wonderful engine. I, I agree. I think that I don't think that there's. I mean, working with Unity before, they did have like older versions of Unity did have a lot of performance problems. But it feels like now, especially with I've seen some ads on YouTube of some amazing games that are being made with the Unity engine in terms of graphics. Also, um, it's just that whenever I pick a game engine to like look at different game engines i like comparing them with like different classes and like an mmo or something you know they have their strengths they have their weaknesses unreal is really about graphics and pushing graphical capabilities and stuff like that i i think that unreal is more attuned to like high-paced action games shooters that sort of thing whereas unity i think is a lighter engine but it's lighter because like you can make web web games with it you can also make mobile games with it with relative ease and one thing that unity does very well is uh if you want to develop on different platforms and stuff you don't really have to change your code base that much because the way the engine is made it kind of handles everything pretty nicely and stuff um i do think though that uh, the engine contingency or whatever is mainly, for lack of a better word, something that a lot of snobs <laughs> that I know, that they just argue about it. And they are pretty pretentious about like, oh man, Unity is awful. And then I try to explain like, you probably play games that are made in Unity. And it's like, oh yeah, what games are those? And I'm like, have you played Hearthstone? Have you played Firewatch? Have you played a... Uh, uh, city skylines and they're like oh i think even lord lowly of that game now and then they would uh steep refund the game because they found out it's made <laughs> in unity i mean <laughs> wow. it's like it's like that unity is not the most awful thing in the world and if it's a bad game it's not because it's not unity's fault it's probably the developer's fault for making such a horrible game out of it and not programming it <laughs> in an efficient way you know there's so there's only so much that the engine can do to prevent you from making a bad game um but yeah i i personally i don't really understand um why there's such a big well i mean i do understand why but i mean like i think it's silly to like blame a game to be bad on the engine that it was made in and not the developer studio that was using it to make a bad game you know what i mean mm-hmm uh, well, I think that that wraps up our thoughts on that, on that whole thing. Uh, but I want to take away from uh, from this conversation though is uh, we love Cuphead, we really do. <laughs> it's uh, I I think it's a one of a kind gem, uh, and it's just another great game to come out of 2017. This year has honestly been the good year, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, both both very good and. 
very bad games coming out this year, but man, the good games are just good. Uh, any other closing thoughts about Cuphead before we move on? Uh, buy Cuphead. Yes, go buy Cuphead. Cuphead sold one million units as of yep. today. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, it's an experience that I think everybody should try. And uh, anyway, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, during our hiatus from the Turbo Button podcast, uh, the developers of PUBG were contemplating legal action against Epic Games because they added a Battle Royale mode to Fortnite. And uh, I believe the Battle Royale mode is a free-to-play mode that anybody can play. They don't need to buy the full game of Fortnite to play the Battle Royale mode, I don't think. Um, uh, Chris, I think you've been following up more on this, so why don't you explain a little bit about what's been going on here? Yeah, um, what's what's interesting is that they... Was that... Uh, What's the team behind PUBG? What's what's the what's that development team called? It's Blue something. I'm gonna look this up real quick. Blue Hole. Is that really? Is it? Oh yeah, Blue. Yeah, that's it. Blue Hole. All right. Well, from from what I can recall of this story, Blue Hole was interested in seeking legal action against uh, Epic Games. Uh, it, it's. The statement, the original statement that they made was that, uh, was was that they were concerned about similarities between uh, PUBG and Fortnite Battle Royale. Okay, it has since turned out that this well, that made people very concerned with uh, not necessarily. Well, it didn't necessarily make developers concerned, from what I could tell. It made the public more concerned that someone would try to copyright a, a game mode or or seek legal action against someone else for a similar having a similar game mode, which seems ridiculous, right? Um, upon further explanation, uh, Blue Hole Blue Hole made it clear that. They, they, it was not necessarily about Fortnite so much as Epic Games, and ultimately didn't uh, explain much further than that. From what I understand, uh, PUBG runs on Unreal, which is owned by... Epic Games. And the concern that Blue Hole had was that because during the development, well, it's still in development, but during the earlier stages of PUBG, Blue Hole sought uh, help from Epic Games with the use of their engine. And since the, the, the concern that Blue Hole had was that Epic Games sort of got a peek at the underlying workings, the actual code, the actual way that, that the game was being used in conjunction with Unreal, and that it was that that was copied or lifted or whatever it may be into uh, 
into Fortnite Battle Royale. This that's that's the uh, the 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 sort of contention that's going on there, um, and this raises a lot of interesting questions because Blue Hole is is bought the license or uh, I'm not sure if they actually bought a license. They probably did, considering uh, because Unreal is now a free to use engine. Correct? Am I thinking of something yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um. So uh, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going on. Um, there there have been some actual attorneys who have um, sort of sounded off on this whole thing, and there some some theories on that are that um, because Blue Hole actually. Uh, did actually does have a license with Epic with for the use of Unreal. Um, that there may be some kind of backdoor, like possibly Unreal or, or possibly Epic was trying to get a little bit more money out of their use of Unreal, and they didn't. Blue Hole wasn't about that, so they decided to like threatened to seek legal action or like there was some strong arming going on behind the scenes it's like crazy conspiracy stuff that actually kind of (laughs) happens uh on a on a on on the daily as far as um as far as large companies and things like that go but uh as it as it sits now i don't think that blue hole has uh, officially sought legal action against Epic. I'm not even sure if this has been resolved in any real way, um, but it's it's an interesting piece of of little little news, nonetheless. Yeah, that, <laughs> I didn't know about the code theft. I like I thought it was about the game mode too, because uh, I was about to say earlier that like stealing a game mode isn't really a it kind of happens all the time not necessarily mm-hmm. the theft of it but iterating over it and mm-hmm. i mentioned this because i watched how the fortnite version of battle royale plays compared to pubg is quite different even though the rules are similar the fact that fortnite has a crafting and building system and it really does change the way that that game is played um i also originally thought that it's if it was for the game mode reason it's kind of hypocritical that pubg would kind of go after someone for something like that especially since what they did was done in other games granted it was based off of other games that player unknown was working on but still from other games and also like the concept of it is simply just the hunger games you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um still i i had no idea about the code theft thing i think the code theft thing is uh something that you can probably legally uh sue somebody over there nobody take my word for that though because i don't there there may or may not be any code like actual code theft there it it did who like i don't think blue hole is in a position to even be sure about that kind of thing if that's the angle that they wanted to take if they were to take legal action um that's a huge risk i don't think any any sane lawyer would like take that case but but it it, it's 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 so weird because there's 
there's this surface layer of just simple uh, game mode, you know, comparisons. Then there's this second, like, underlying layer of uh, this whole situation between uh, Blue Hole and Epic and the, the help that they got. And then there's this third layer of, like, possibly having to do with uh, royalties and things like that that Epic is Epic expects to be paid and Blue Hole doesn't want to pay. So it's it's this crazy sort of the 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 more you go into it, like the crazier it gets. That's I, that's why I, this is really fun. I thought we were gonna have a nice long discussion about this, but honestly, it's so crazy that I have no words to comment on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's nuts. Um, but oh man, that that was an interesting story. Do you have any comment on that um, besides, like, uh, just that it's a crazy story and it just keeps getting... It's like going down the rabbit hole? No, uh, not... I don't know if I have anything more to add other than, like, if if this thing actually does go to court, and I doubt it will be, I think all of this... I think I think considering how much press this, ha- this issue hit... Ooh, excuse me. This issue has gotten, um, I... I feel like some kind of agreement will be made behind the scenes. Um, but if this gut does go to court in, in the crazy, you know, universe that it does, possibly this one, possibly not, um, I would, I would really love to see the, uh, the, the repercussions of whatever it is that, that, uh, that happens because if if theoretically this does have to do with um, royalties, uh, you could see, you know, PUBG moving to another engine altogether. The entire thing being set back, who knows how long. Uh, you could see a lot of bad press for Unreal and and Epic Games. You could see, at worst, you could possibly see uh, Blue Hole going bankrupt. Like there, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that could happen in that very 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 slim chance that this actually does go to court, but but uh, it's just conjecture really, and it's just an interesting little story. Yeah, PUBG powered by Unity. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> PUBG is now now a Unity game, made with the free version of Unity. <laughs> made with the free version of Unity. <laughs> oh, no man. licensing here. No license there. You're absolutely right. They, yeah. The only thing is they got to show the logo. Yeah. Uh, well, God forbid they show the Unity logo. Oh man. Do you know how many players will not play PUBG anymore? Yes. Now that it's I, now that it's in I, Unity. Oh, I man. personally, I think, know about maybe five people who will stop playing PUBG and probably <laughs> refund it if they found out it was made in the Unity engine. Oh my god. Because gosh. I. Like I said, I know people who have Steam refunded games because they found out it was made with the Unity engine. <laughs> and uh, I think it's, frankly, the most idiotic thing ever <laughs> to yeah. that people would do that. Um, well, not the most idiotic thing, but one of one of the top, I would say maybe top 25 dumb things <laughs> that mm-hmm. make the list. Um, I guess we can move on. Uh, the Chinese room closes its doors, but temporarily. 
Um, if you, I actually didn't know uh, who this developer was, and then I realized, oh, they made the uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture game. Uh, so uh, I, I read some of the article. It looks like they they just started operating at such a high cost and weren't making enough revenue to stay open, I guess. Is that the simple thing of what happened, pretty much? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, we can move on now. Let's. <laughs> well, hold on. Have you played Everybody's Gone to the Rapture? I've not. I've played Derester and I've played Amnesia: Machine for Pigs. I've not played Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Did they make? Did they make those two games too? Yes, they did. Oh my god, I didn't realize that. Uh, I don't know why I didn't realize that. I thought they only made Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um. That game put me to sleep. I'll just, let me just say that. Um, not a fan of walking sims, to be honest. And uh, okay, uh, <laughs> I guess that's all there is. All right, to now that we can story. move on. Uh, IGN bought Humble Bundle. This just happened today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that reminds, okay. I should check the Humble Bundle actually for today. <laughs> let me. Uh, I'm gonna take a look at that while we're. What's What's interesting? So so. What's the the thing about the thing about the Chinese room closing or going on hiatus or or whatever it is? What's 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 so? I mean, this is this is this is a big thing if you think that games can be art, because it, you you may or may not like quote unquote walking simulators. That's a derogatory term. That's not. That's that 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 sh- that should never be used. Like that's 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 so wrong. But anyway, think about think about when Dear Esther came out. Okay, this is a game where yeah, you just walk and you just listen to audio clips. The thing is that Dear Esther is it's it's Dear Esther is beautiful and haunting and and lonely and it's something that you can experience as a game because you move around with, you know, WASD or your your D-pad or or your circle pad or or whatever it is but ultimately it's an exa- it's a great great fantastic example of why games can be art you can play dear esther multiple times and get completely different senses of the same story you can wander off the beaten path and do nothing not follow the story and still get an experience still get an experience almost in the same way that you would in something like uh, Skyrim or Breath of the Wild, something much more open. Because these, these, because Dear Esther specifically gives you areas where you're actually at times not sure where to go, but you see the story unfold in front of you. It's, it's the, it's the art of uh, designing, you know, an environment as much as it is designing this narrative experience. 
And Dear Esther made huge splashes. You know, ob obviously. That's why we have things like Gone Home. That's why we possibly, uh, in part, part of why we have things like uh, the the uh, con the continued... The, well, okay. Sorry, let me, let me roll back a bit. Dear Esther, in conjunction with things like Telltale's The Walking Dead and uh, things like uh, uh, Heavy Rain and, and, and whatnot, have produced much, yes, admittedly, far superior experiences. Things like uh, Until Dawn or, or whatnot. But Dear Esther is one of those games that... that I feel like should be appreciated and doesn't get appreciated by, especially by the, the general quote unquote gaming public. And with the closure of the, like, like the Chinese room is interested in making art in, in the form of games, not, not necessarily the other way around games as art that I would argue something like, I don't know, Journey is or something, something like uh, Shadow of the Colossus is something like that. But I think that's important. So, with the, with the temporary, possibly forever, closure of the Chinese room, I think it's, it's like, it's like if, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, ah, I don't know. It, it should be a landmark, you know, kind of thing. Uh, they're, they're, they're not games that everyone enjoys, that everyone is going to enjoy, but we've, I think gaming and the games industry and games as a form have grown a lot because of it and will go into places that, that people uh, can't even imagine. I mean, we got, we got Firewatch because of Dear Esther. We got so many, so many great things along those lines. And, you know, the, that creative team is no longer together anymore. That's because, I don't know, people didn't want to, they weren't making enough money is really it. Art doesn't always pay, but it's, it's still important for the culture and to make things bigger and better and more appreciated. So that's my thing. Mm hmm Okay. Um, let's see. I guess that wraps up that topic. And uh, on to the next one, which was something I think that it did literally happen today, um, and that <laughs> IGN bought Humble Bundle. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything? Uh, do you have any comments on that? <laughs> yeah, talk about not trusting journalists. What? What's? I mean, I probably have a chip on my shoulder, just like everyone else, when it comes to IGN. Yeah. I um. Do it, I, I. I don't. The main concern for a lot of people is that because Humble Bundle is now 
not just a, a store or a variety of stores. It's also a publisher of games. The, the, the concern is that um, IGN will be able to unfairly critique and review games published by Humble Bundle now that uh, IGN owns Humble Bundle. Um, allegedly, Humble, the, the Humble team is still basically going to be running things as they were before. It's just that the, the ownership by IGN is to be helping financially, is, is to be, to, supposed to be able to give them additional financial security. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just genuinely hope that's the case. Um, that's that. Yeah, that's really it. Yeah, that that was, ah, man. This is weird. <laughs> I thought Humble Bundle was like a nonprofit because they donate so much of the stuff to charity. You know what I mean? Yeah, humble Humble Bundle is practically nonprofit. That whenever you get just a standard, whenever you buy just a standard bundle, a percentage of that does go to the team. It goes to the Humble team. Um, and you can change that, of course, with the little sliders at the bottom. But uh, they they definitely were not nonprofit. Yeah, well, at least at least it gave consumers like the choice of like, do I want to support the humble team or do I want all my proceeds to go to charity? You know that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I think the only react literal reaction that I have here is the 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 subtitle here that this Polygon article gave it. Which is like record scratch, like the like the like. I'm I'm just like this was just so random that I I don't know what to say for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just so weird. Um, but yeah, I I hope that. Oh, what's my? I I hope that things still run the same. I thought what Humble Bundle was doing was actually pretty great in terms of like. They, I think they donated a lot of money, like from the proceeds and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully that, uh, hopefully that stays that way. I mean, there, there's really not much I can say. This this kind of came out of left field. Um, yeah, that that's really all I had to say about that. And uh, that that pretty much covered everything. Um, <clears throat> one thing I did want to say um, or ask Chris about is, Chris, uh, did you uh, happen to get a SNES Classic Edition? Oh, no? no, I didn't. Because I think they ran out of them again. But mm-hmm. I heard they're, they're going to be re-releasing the uh, NES Classic Edition and SNES Classic Edition. They're going to be more of them for the holiday season, so... Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, other than that, I, I I don't think we have anything. Uh, any closing thoughts for today's episode? Let's see. What did we go over today? Uh, we went through Cuphead. Uh, we went through the PUBG debacle of the Chinese room closing, and the IGN bought Humble Bundle, which was like the 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 story that was so weird that we <laughs> we barely had anything to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, folks. Sometimes. Sometimes words cannot describe how you feel. And, uh, yeah, I guess that pretty much sums up. I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk in depth about Cuphead, though. Cuphead is, uh, 
Cuphead is up there in my game of the year contenders right now. Mm. And uh, actually, I'm actually excited for the end of the year because I've never done a real, <laughs> like, serious game of the year talk <laughs> or something like that. So this is like something that I'm I'm looking forward to towards the end. Uh, for those of you who are still listening, a little sneak peek into our potential futures here, uh, here at a. Uh, turbo button podcast um but anyway uh overall thoughts of today's show uh just all the stories or something um overall thoughts overall thoughts are are i don't know be be (laughs) open-minded i don't know (laughs) i think that i think that especially with cuphead um people that's a difficult situation Without going back into the whole discussion, that's a difficult yeah. situation because I don't know. There, there, there are people who, not just for, for as far as trusting their games journalists or whatever, but uh, who might want an easier experience with things like that, and who might be sort of purists and you know that kind of thing, wanting to wanting wanting if the game is meant to be difficult to just to keep it difficult. My, uh, it's, it's all about, I think, being open, especially as a consumer. You as a consumer are not necessarily entitled to what you consume. You're supposed to vote with your dollar, but you know, you, you, if you're buying something expecting one thing and you get another thing, there's some, there's, there's something you can do. Um, but I, when it comes to, especially when it comes to a game when, uh, that, that is, that is meant to be one way, uh, it's, it's, I honestly don't know what I was just going to say. So there you go. That's my closing <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> I th- I I mean I think I will say this. Um, regardless of what you think of what reviewers say about it, it's still very important feedback for the developer if they d- decide to make another game in the future. Like if they make Cuphead two, they're probably going to take th- some of this into account. And um, even though I do think it's a very good game, it is a very difficult game. Not everybody likes it. Um, it might your reviewers are people too. I mean, <laughs> they have their own tastes. And stuff like that. I, I personally feel like most of this probably comes from people seeing like IGN reviews as like, oh, the the nameless entity that is IGN has given this score a blah, blah, blah. And not thinking about the individual reviewer. It's like when the Pokemon game <laughs> got a seven seven 7.3 out of 10 because there was too much water There's in the too game. Too much water, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and everybody lost their mind. I, it's weird because for that specific one... <laughs> I I had a friend who actually went out of their way to find out the reviewer who did that one, and then he, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is semi hot water, but I don't agree with this person at all. And he said like, you know, maybe women shouldn't play video games, you know, because they don't get. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dude, you do <laughs> you do you. I'm not talking to you anymore, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or something like that. Um, but 
like I said, it's a personal taste for everything. If we go back into the back catalog of the woman who reviewed the Pokemon games, you'll probably find that that probably lines up consistently with uh, a lot of games she doesn't like. Maybe she hates <laughs> she hates games with oceans in them for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're people too. They're human. Uh not you don't you don't gotta i hate ign as much as the next guy but i mean the reviews are by people too i guess is what i'm trying to say um but however still i i I don't like ign (laughs) for the record i don't like ign um anyway those are those are my thoughts i think that uh that just about wraps up this episode of the uh turbo button podcast um chris you got any closing remarks for everybody out there (laughs) Uh, my closing remarks, I suppose, are my name is Chris. You can find my blog at Retro Fito Leon. That's the word retro, F I T O L E O N dot WordPress dot com. Uh, honestly, it's not been uh, very content focused recently. You'll probably scroll down and see just me announcing all the different Turbo Button podcasts. That's going to change very soon. I have a couple of reviews uh, in the works of games that I've been uh, playing, possibly one of Cuphead. Um, you can also find me at on Twitter, at RetroFitoLeon, uh, if you're ever interested in uh, tweeting me up. Okay, and uh, this is Zachary Hart. You can reach me on Twitter at at the Zaxinator, capital T and capital Z. I've I've spelt it out before. If you need help, just go to a previous episode of the podcast and listen to it. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, Chris, what kind of memes should they send me this time? Uh, they should send you a Cuphead is hard meme. Cuphead is, should they send a Cuphead is like Dark Souls meme or something like yes, that? Yes, yeah, perfect. Alright, if you've listened to this episode, tweet at me a Cuphead is like Dark Souls meme and I'll I'll reply with a grumpy cat saying no or something. I I don't know. You you get the <laughs> point. Um, also, lightning lightning round news, guys. Uh, Chris AIM is being shut down on December fifteenth. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Man, I I went into my bloody list, uh, and it was it was so weird going back in there because I have. Uh, this is this is gonna be semi dark, but um, a few years ago. Uh, I used AIM to talk with somebody in high school, and a few years ago, uh, they they ended up dying, and I still have their <laughs> their messages in there, and I'm like, oh, this is really weird. Yeah, that's to, like, very bizarre. See in there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was weird going back in there. Uh, if you want some good memories, enjoy AIM, and also, so this still kind of vaguely relates to video games. There's actually a pretty fun uh, nostalgia sim. Uh, called uh, Emily is Away. It's a free-to-play AIM like text adventure game, but it plays like you're running AIM on your computer. And if you were not born in the era of AIM, you should definitely play that game because it kind of nails it. It's not that great of a game, but I, the feels came back. <laughs> the feels came back of using an old piece of outdated software. <laughs> and um, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, We will see you in the next episode. Later. Bye.